joy, peace, tranquility, vibrancy, and wellness. Isn't this what you want instead of constant stress? That's what host Rochelle Lawson is going to help you with on Blissful Living. There are many ways to reduce stress, some you may not even know about. Doesn't a little peace and tranquility sound like just what you've been looking for? Relax for a few minutes with Rochelle. She's the queen of feeling fabulous. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Blissful Living. This is the queen of feeling fabulous, Rochelle Marie Lawson, and I am so happy to be here with you today. I have a wonderful guest by the name of Beatrice Stonebanks, and the information and wisdom that she's going to share with us today, I guarantee you that it will help you in so many ways. I mean, I heard her speak at a retreat that I had did, and she was phenomenal. And I thought, you know, since Blissful Living is about helping us to reduce or eliminate stress from all aspects of our life, um, she would be phenomenal for you all today. So stay tuned. I'm going to tell you more about the phenomenal Beatrice Stonebanks. However, I want to take this time to thank our sponsors of this segment. First of all, the Health Healing and Wellness Company. Uh, They are a holistic health and wellness company that is for you. And what they do is they have a lot of ways to help you restore balance, energy, vitality, stop the aging process, and basically to help you feel the best that you can be and to enhance or optimize the greatest asset that you have, which is your health and well-being. They have a lot of programs, a lot of good things happening, uh, coming up for spring and summer. So I highly suggest that you check them out if you're looking for a detox or just help with sleeping issues or if you're premenopausal, menopausal, or postmenopausal, or if you just are someone out there that wants to feel better than you're feeling right now, then I suggest you check them out at healthhealingwellness.com. That is healthhealingwellness.com. And the other sponsor for our segment today is a telecommunications installation company known for the expertise in helping their customers to make the right connections the first time when it comes to the backbone of how we operate today with our technology and all the telecommunications that goes on from business to business or people to people. They have been in business for over 26 years uh, a woman-owned company right here, uh, founded and still existing in the Silicon Valley today. Customers ranging from very large financial institutions to transportation to just your everyday small business owners. And what they do is they install voice data, fiber optic cabling, as well as all your wireless access points, speaker systems, public information display systems, anything that has to do with telecommunications, you definitely want to check them out. They are at alldaycableinc.com. Again, that's alldaycableinc.com. So we've got a little bit to help you with your health and well-being, and we have a little bit to help you telecommunicate just a little bit better. So we're stroking both ends of our our divine body, so to speak, the feminine as well as the masculine sign so, so that we have complete balance. Now, let's get to our phenomenal guest. Let me tell you about Beatrice. Beatrice is a sales consultant who believes its real success is about taking a look at what works and what doesn't work 
on a company's sales team, getting egos out of the way and underperformers off the team, raising the bar and reaping the benefits, leading by example using straightforward communication and bleeding-edge technology mixed with a powerhouse work ethic. Beatrice loves creating money. Ooh, who doesn't? That should pique your curiosity. And new revenue streams for her clients. She is a natural top performer in B2B sales, management, and publishing. She is an author, a public speaker, and a community outreach leader. She is known for implementing simple techniques that generate results immediately. In sales, it's all about the results, as we all know. She gets them, and she teaches her clients how to do the same every time. You connect with Beatrice with regards to sales or something that you are having problems with. I guarantee you that Beatrice is going to identify what it is that's stopping you and help you to integrate the correct solutions. Now, Beatrice explains why sales in the 21st century are no longer about aggression and tenacity. They're now about the customer and the fit. Today's successful people. Today's, excuse me, successful salespeople are a company's front lines communicating the products and services that you have to offer while listening to the needs of the customer, ultimately finding the fit that has the clients sell themselves. And so all of you out there that have been listening to the show and have been wondering when I'm going to bring back some business guru that's going to help you take your business to the next level so that you can reduce basically erase your stress from that aspect of your life, well, today you're in for, you were in for a surprise. You were in for a treat. You're in for a fabulously blissful time as I welcome the phenomenal, beautiful, fabulous, kick-ass type of girl, Beatrice Stonebanks to Blissful Living. Hi, Beatrice. How are you? Hello. Wow. Great introduction. Nice to be here. Hello, hello. It is so good to have you. So often on the show, we have a lot of people come and talk to us about the various aspects of, you know, how we can improve our health and well-being, how we can get a better mindset, you know, how we can, you know, clear our auras, how we can learn to meditate. All of those things are wonderful. And, of course, me being a health and wellness practitioner, I love that. But also as an entrepreneur, I know that you can have that fabulous stuff. But if you don't have other skills that help catapult you to the success that you're desiring as a sales, I mean, as a salesperson as well, but as a business person or an entrepreneur, then, you know, you're not really balancing the full scale of things. And so it's wonderful to have you here um, to share your words of wisdom. My pleasure. So let's just jump in because I know these guys are out there listening. They're like their curiosity is peaked because they're like, oh my gosh, she's got a business person on. You know, it's been a little bit since she's had a business person on, and and this person's gonna talk about sales and the new way things are done within the 21st century here. And so I just want to jump in and say or ask you, with regards to the way sales are done today. And it's completely different than how they were done in the 80s or even the 90s. Um, what is the latest sales techniques that you find seem to be that you find that people are using and that seem to be working best for people in today's society? There are a few depending on your sector, but the first piece is true for any sector, and I. 
have this as the foundation of everything that I do, and it's service. Service is the new selling. People are smart. They can fact-check our butts out on the Internet. They know what they want, and they come to the table ready to ask questions. You need to just be their expert. There is nothing to sell, is what I like to say. Let them sell themselves. Be their expert. Answer their question. If you ha- questions. If you have what they want to buy, they will sell themselves. It takes the pressure out of sales right away. So I like that as a foundation underneath all that I do. Service is the new selling. But some of the tried and true methods still hold up after a lot of years of using them. Cold calling is something I still do every single week. I do. Oh. Exactly. It's horrible. I still hate it. But I get results. I do two hours a week for each of my clients, and I average one appointment an hour. At two hours a week, that's eight new appointments a month. How many new clients do you need? You know, it depends on what you're selling. Now, remember, I'm B2B. I'm not retail. I'm not out there selling widgets. I'm selling products and services and, for, and, and projects for new clients. And it, it really comes down to a lot of get in front of them the good old-fashioned way, the ability to be more and more targeted mixed with good old-fashioned sales techniques service being number one. So, I, you know, I was in sales in the 80s. Luckily, I worked um, at that time for an airline, and uh, it was really interesting. Um, the airline that I worked for had a horrible reputation, even though they flew, flew to the most beautiful destinations in the world. And what was funny is um, because of their horrible reputation, you would think that people would not want to be on that air carrier, but the air the air carrier was always booked. Their flights were always filled. And the reason being, it wasn't because of all the troubles that they had, you know, with regards to doing airline stuff. But once the person got on the airplane, it was the service, the experience that they had that had these oh. people, even though they made luggage may have gotten lost or whatever, it was their their experience that they have with regards to the service that the flight attendants gave to the, the passengers on the plane. And so when you say, and I used to have to do cold calls to my um, highest producing people in the territory. And when I started the job, no one wanted to see me. They didn't like me. They they hated the airline, but they knew they needed to use it to get their clients to, to the destinations. Um, but I hated doing cold calls. I just thought that was so intrusive. And, you know, it was, it was literally, I would rather have taken a skin in <laughs> with a switch <laughs> than to do it. But, you know, it was something that had to be done. And, and so my point is to those of those you know, wonderful people out there listening that when they heard you mention the words, you know, cold calling for sales and getting results and they're very apprehensive or they procrastinate with regards to that or they just flat out don't do it, what is something that you can share with them to help them get over the nudge of that whole apprehension of having to call somebody that you don't really know and trying to get an appointment with them so that you can show them what you're trying to sell them or trying to bring to bring, you know, the service you're trying to bring to them. I think one of the important things is to be a human being about it. Don't be some salesperson trying to get over on them and get them to do what you want them to do. I'm always human. I'm always kind. I'm always respectful. Every time I pick up the phone and I call someone, I say, am I disturbing you? 
every time. And if they say yes, I say, I'm happy to give you a call back. Should I wait an hour or do you need for me to wait until tomorrow? That human mm. touch makes such a difference. And they're thinking, who is this? Well, just tell me why you're calling. And the next piece is, Tell them why you're calling right away. Don't go into a pitch and don't have a, a, a sales agenda. The idea is to right away say, my name is Beatrice, and I'm calling from this company because I want to earn your business. I want to build an, a relationship with you and ask you what it would take to do that. Uh, right away, I tell them that. Yeah. And they either need that product or service or they don't. I don't have anything invested in it. And one appointment an hour it's, it's, it's agony. That's a lot of people saying, no, thank you, or can you give me a call back, or can you send me some info, or leaving a message on a machine. And the one that you do speak with, sometimes it's two or three, mm-hmm. it's really because I took the time to be respectful and kind and I was a human being. And then you get this space in front of them to be to tell you what they need. I need for you to call me back. I need for you to wait a month. I need for you to talk with me about pricing. You know what, can you just send me some info and I'll look it over and then I'll call you if I'm interested. You need to just hear what they have to say and let them be right. Give it to them. No pressure and respect. So that's critical. It takes the pain out of cold calling for them, but it makes you look really good. You care. And, And being respectful is a big deal when you're on the phone. I love that. I mean, you gave so many nuggets of gold right in just that short sentence that you said. Um, I like, though, because I've heard this before with regards to connecting with people that you don't really know and you're trying to basically doing the cold call is, you know, not to have anything invested in them. And sometimes I think it's hard for people when they're on the edge or they're trying to meet deadline or they're trying to meet um you know, they're, they're the quotas and things of that nature, that they get so, what's the word I'm looking for, so desperate that they have total investment into the person saying yes to them. And what I find or what has been reflected or told to me is that when they don't, when the person calling does not have that, they're so invested in it, that's usually when the person will say yes to continue the conversation. So I I like how you shared that because that, you know, that can be a a make or break deal for a lot of people. Yeah, you can't ever sell out of desperation, not even me, and I'm really good at it, I don't mind saying, but you can't sell out of desperation. It doesn't serve anyone. If you're waiting until the last minute and you have to meet your quota, you may as well just go home because it's not going to happen that way. If you do a little (laughs) bit at a time every single week, and what is two hours? Anybody can suffer through two hours. You know, four hours tops is some what I do for some of my clients. If you just do a little bit at a time, the results are huge. And then you've got excitement behind it, like, let me see what else I can add to this funnel. It's nice. You know, I, I love that. Again, you, you know, you shared some more words of wisdom with regards to just the whole process of, you know, moving from desperation to, um, I want to say, an opening because de- desperation seems like it's so closed, right? But move to an opening or an open space when you come from your heart and you, you know, you, you, you're not someone, you're not invested in their saying yes to you. But also, I like how you said two hours a week. And when you really break that down, we got five days in a week. You know, that could be 20 minutes a day or 30 minutes for four days and have a free day off. So there's a lot of ways to do it. Um, 
And I myself am going to start doing that and take it, take your advice, and then I'm going to let you know exactly what my results are. But I, I think it's it's feasible, and anybody out there can do 30 minutes a day. I, that might be just two or three phone calls, but, you know, you never know. Two or three phone calls a day, you might get a guess, and that adds up to, say, if you do it four days a week, that's maybe, you know, eight to 12 phone calls in that four-day period. And out of that, you might get one or two yeses. So it, it's not that difficult to do when you break it down from two hours to 30 minutes a day. I love that. Now, how tried and true are the methods, how tried and true are the methods holding up after, um, you know, so many advances in technology? You know, we have all this, you know, way that we can communicate, email, texting, you know, all that kind of stuff. How are what you do and the root foundation of your success holding up in today's technological world? They scale because the technology is just a vehicle. You still have to have the human being on one end, me, the salesperson, or the human being on the other end, the buyer, the person who wants what you have to sell. In between, the technology comes into play. And part of using it successfully is asking them what your preferred mode of communication is. Once I have someone on the line and they're talking to me, I do say to them, do you prefer email? Would you rather I text you before I call you? Would you rather an uh, uh, an in-person meeting? Let them tell you. Some people really want to meet in person. A lot of people, they don't have the time at all to send me an email. I'll review it when I can. And for some, that those in-between pieces of technology are really important as well. Web seminars to educate them, podcasts like what you're doing so you can listen at your leisure. All of these things are tools, and I like to match the tool to the sector. Some sectors have a really older buying audience, and they're not going to pay attention to email or web seminars. So you have to meet with them in person and, and ask them what they want and really be there for them. Other mm-hmm. sectors, and I want to say young, although it's not always young anymore, but some of the younger younger uh, buying sectors really want to use technology, and they want you at their fingertips that way. So So do that. Send them emails, mine them on LinkedIn, process them as, as with an invitation to attend your webinar or listen to your podcast or review this PDF when you get a chance, an interactive PDF. Let them have the sales component the way that they want to view it. And then you've got them more attracted to you. Ultimately, they have to want the product or the service. But the vehicle, they will choose, and that makes it a little easier. Depending on the audience, depending on what you're selling, the vehicles dictate themselves. You know, again, wonderful words of wisdom with regards to that. Um, what would you say to the person that this is what they, happens to them? They, you know, do the cold call, and the person Give them, you know, a few minutes of their time. You know, they, you know, identify who they are, what they're calling them for. They get permission. The person gives them permission to continue on. And then after maybe a few minutes, the person says, well, you know, I'm, I like what you're saying, or I really don't have time to go into this in-depth discussion. Email me. And so they send an email to that person, um, and they never hear back from the person. Is there any method or system that you have in place with regards to continuing that conversation Um Regarding the person not responding to the email, would you send them another email? Would you give them another call? Um, what do you think 
think is the best strategy for those of us that encounter that that scenario. So follow-up is everything. If someone doesn't give you a no, that means you've got the opportunity to sell. And if they say send me information, you send them information. My suggestion is to have it be a brief email, short and sweet. Put an attachment or put all the additional information after your signature line. So they can just read that email and know that they have it, flag it, and then go back and enjoy it when they want to, when they have time. If you don't hear back from them, it doesn't mean they don't want what you have to to sell. It means you didn't hear back from them. Follow-up is everything. I call them after I send an email. And usually what I do is I tell them in advance that I'm going to do that. Okay, I'll send you the information you're looking for, and then I'll wait a week for you to read it and give you a call back. Does that work for you? I get their buy-in. And then they expect that phone call when I'm calling them back. If I get their voicemail, I just say, hey, I'm happy to pop you another email. I'm sorry I missed you. Happy to call again. I let them know I'm not going away. But I'm respectful about that. Until I get a no, I don't care how many times I have to follow up with people. Mm. It can be two days, two weeks, or two years it's taken me to close some large clients with a long sales cycle. And I am there. If they say six months, every six months I'm going to follow up with them. If they say touch base with me again in 30 days, I'm going to make a note on my calendar and I'm going to call them back. I can't tell you how many times I have closed a sale because someone said to me, thank you so much for your patience. I'm sorry it took me so long to to handle this. I'm ready. Let's go. Because I follow up is everything. It doesn't matter if they don't respond to you. You be there for them. You make it as easy as possible Mm. for them to work with you. Oh, my goodness. Wow, girl. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I I love it. I I mean, so, I mean, I I love the tip that you just get. Okay, you guys out there listening, are you – I hope you're taking notes. I didn't tell you guys, and normally I do. Sit down, get a piece of paper, get a pen, make some tea, have a cup of latte, water with lemon, whatever. But you guys need to be sitting down taking notes because this this lady here is giving you some stuff that you will pay lots of money to get and you're getting it free today. The email, whole email thing, just because they don't respond back to you, and I am so guilty of this, does not mean that it's a no. Follow up with them. Give them a call. And I think Beatrice is suggesting that if they do not respond to your email, then, you know, it's okay to give them a call, leave them a message, hey, this is blah, 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 you know, but follow-up is key. And a lot of times people do go through their emails, they check it all, I'll get back to that, I'll get back to that, and they forget to get back to that. I do that a lot. And then it's like, oh, shoot, I forgot to get back to so-and-so. Let me find that email so I can get back. It may be a day, it may be two days, it may be a week, it may be two weeks, it may be two months. But the point is the person generally usually doesn't follow back up with me in a if there's not a little tickler put in my head, sometimes I really do forget because I'm just so busy with other things. So it's not intrusive. It's not invasive. It's not a bad thing to call somebody up and say, hey, I sent you the email with the information. I'm just checking in and make sure you got it. If you have any questions, is this a good time for us to chat? Would you like me to follow up again? You know, all that kind of stuff. Because I think a lot of us think that when we don't hear back in an email, it's a no and we give up. And Beatrice is saying, no, it's that's not the case. Follow up, follow up, follow up, follow up until they actually tell you no is what I'm hearing. Right, Beatrice? It really is. And I'll give you some quick 
follow-up is everything statistics. 48% of salespeople never follow up with a prospect. Only 12% of salespeople make three contacts and then stop. Only 10% of salespeople make more than three contacts. Well, 2% of sales are made on the first contact. 5% are made on the third contact. 10% are made on the fourth contact. But 80% of sales, 80% are made on the fifth to twelfth contact. What are you doing if you're not staying in touch with them? Follow-up is everything. And, and I agree with you. We do it. We know this. I paid someone and bought their service two weeks ago, and I still haven't given them what I need so that they can fulfill the, the, the contract. I, I, I bought them. They sold me. I paid them. I still haven't had time to do what it takes to finish it. So... <laughs> So follow-up becomes everything. And this person just sent me an email last night and said, just reaching out. I'm here when you're ready. No pressure. Right on. <laughs> That's oh, what I needed. Well. Give me the reminder. I'll get to it. <laughs> oh, so see, I mean, I think it's just part of human nature. You know, for me personally, when I would send something out, it's all my – It's. I'm sorry, and I'm just going to be quite blunt and frank here. Um, it's my ego. So when I, my ego gets crushed because I'm like, I have all this good stuff. Why, damn it. Why didn't they just get back to me? They asked me to send them an email and they wanted it, obviously. But then I sent the email and they didn't get back to me. Damn it. And then I don't call because my ego gets crushed because I'm thinking it's a no. And in reality, it's not a no. It's not a no until they tell me no. But, you know, we're so ego-minded and so ego-bound. I wish I could just shut my ego in a box and never let it out. You but really that's need, just not going <laughs> Yeah, agreed. And you really need to check your ego at the door. People with big egos, and this is, seems counterintuitive, shouldn't be in sales. You, you really can't have anything invested in it, and it isn't about you. It's about them when they mm-hmm. want the product and service, what they need and how they want to be followed up with. That's all. It isn't about you. You just need to be there for them when they want you to be. It sounds easier than it, it really is. I get that you have something invested in it. We all want to be successful. But it doesn't mean that you're not good, and it doesn't mean that they don't want your products and services. It just means they haven't said yes yet. Mm, I love it. I love it. Okay, on to I mean, oh, my gosh. I'm like, you should see my paper. I've taken so many notes. <laughs> implement all of this stuff beginning today i'm going to put the ego and and, you know when i say ego it's like um, my ego is so fragile that and i know this about myself so i'm glad i'm disclosing this about you know to all these people out there listening but my ego is so fragile and it's not so much that it's about the success well it really is but it's about the rejection and i feel that if someone doesn't get back to me it's more of a rejection then I, I wasn't successful. And so what I'm going to do is check the ego at the door, realize I do the exact same stuff that are, is being done to me. And it's not intentional. It's just the way life is and we're so busy. And I'm going to let you know, Beatrice, that I'm going to be like, girl, my sales went up, blah, 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 just because I checked the ego at the door and I did follow-up, follow-up, follow-up. And I'm going to let you listeners know as well about the results after today's show listening to beaches with all this fabulous information. Man, I could do a whole four-hour show with you if we had time. I'm just going to bring you in for one of my retreats, and we'll just, you know, have you just work your magic. Um, Okay, so now when it comes to follow-up, we know it's very important 
we know that's a very important part of the sales cycle and, and, you know, getting to the yes or getting to the no. If you get to the no, you can move on. And, but if you, you know, if you're never following up, you never know and you just never know where you stand. Um, what method do you use for tracking those you've connected with and then following up with them? Do you have a specific system or, you know, a specific method or what, what do you do to keep on top of that? So I do a number of different things, and, and part of it is dependent on the client. Some of them have fancy CRMs, con, you know, relationship management systems, and that mm-hmm. would track and remind me of dates, et cetera. But one of the simplest things that, I've, that I do still after 30 years in sales, and I, I teach people how to do, is a, a 90-50-10 funnel, and it's a spreadsheet. It can be a handwritten list on a, on a yellow pad of paper, or it can be an Excel spreadsheet. But it's in three different sections, 90, 50, 10. 10% are all the people you're going to solicit. You haven't picked up the phone yet. You haven't tried to work with them yet. Just, there's a 10% chance you're going to close any of them. You just put them in there. Let's say you put in 50, 50 companies, 50 people. There's a 10% okay. chance you're going to close them. So you put them in that 10% spreadsheet section. And then you call them up or you meet with them, or you email them, whatever it is your method or all of the above. For me, when I call them up, if they say anything other than no, they go up to the 50% the fifty section now. Send me okay. some email, call me back in an hour, let me look at your website. Anything but a no, they go up to 50%. Now there's a 50-50 chance I'm going to close them. So I get to watch those 50%ers. And then on the far left, of the spreadsheet, the first column is always the follow-up date. So every time I open up my spreadsheet for a particular client or for myself, I know who I have to call. Right there are the dates that I need to call them back. And follow-up is everything. As I said, you just call them Mm -hmm. back. I sent you an email last week. I wrote down here to follow up with you today. Is now convenient? Human. I've said it. Now it's a 50-50 chance I'm going to call them, close them. Anybody that says, yes, I'll consider working with you, you don't have a signed contract. They haven't paid you. They just said, sure, I'll consider it. Now they go up to 90%. Those are the ones that are gold. You really want to focus on your 90% portion of the funnel. Stay on top of them. That's where the 5 to 12 contacts or touches are really going to come into play. Make sure you're, you're giving them everything they need to make a decision so that they can move forward, and those are the ones you really stay in touch with. Oh, you got three bids? How did I compare with the other ones? Is there anything more I can do to help you understand my value? What would it take to have me stand out over the other competitors? Oh, you didn't have a chance to present the contract to the board yet? Not a problem. Whatever the reason is, they've said they'll consider you, they're in 90%. So you've got this simple 90-50-10 funnel to track people. And then after 30 days, after 90 days, you can see how many do I have to put into 10% and call to build my 50% chunk of the funnel so that people move up to 90%. If it takes 50 contacts to get 10 to, to, to go into, if it takes 50 people in 10% to call and then you end up with 10 in the 50% section that said, didn't say no, how many does it take, how, how long does it take to get them up into 90% and how many do you close? The numbers become really easy. Oftentimes I have to be in touch with 100 people a month to get 10 people to show up in the 90% category. That's good numbers. 
that's good numbers. It takes I do about 15 or 20 calls an hour, 100 a month. Very manageable. It seems horrible. I agree, and it is, <laughs> but it's manageable. And then you've got this funnel, this chunk of people that are at 90% said they would work with you. All you have to do is stay in touch with them. Piece of cake. They'll sell themselves. So this 90-50-10 structure is something that I have found is easy for tracking. I always know who I have to call on what date, and I can watch them go through the funnel. How many do I have to call to get them to come out the other end as a closed client? Wow. Okay. I hope that was clear. I kind of stumbled over the thing. It was. Okay, good. No, I'm going to ask about that again because I was writing it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you talk so fast. I can't keep up. Um, with regards to, let's go back to the 50, 50%. So I've got these people that I've called and, you know, they didn't say no, so I've got them in my 50%. Now, can you explain one more time how do I move them from the 50 to the 90? Because that's where my notes get, like, all crazy and discombobulated. Yes, I can. And just so you know, and I mean this for your listeners too, anybody can send me an email and I will send them a, a summary of my fu funnel. So don't even worry about taking notes. I'm happy to send okay. this to you. Oh, but, thank you. Yeah, no problem. The 50% component just means you have to stay in touch with them. And the conversation always is, in almost every phone call, what can I do for you now? What can I do for you next? What would it take to have you be saying yes to me? I say those statements every time I call. Is there anything else you need? What's in the way of closing this? What's in the way of you signing the contract? Can I answer more questions for you? Every single time. Eventually, you either get that no or you get someone to say, I, you know what, I just need to have my husband give me this, talk with me about it. I just need to have my business partner weigh in. I just need to wait until I have the money. Whatever it is, they're going to mm -hmm. tell you, and then you know. It's, if you ask the question, you will get the answer. Hang out for the answer. That's what's going to help you move them from 50% to 90%. You continually ask, what's it going to take for you to work with me? I really want to earn your business. Who says that anymore? I say those nerdy things. I want to earn your trust. I want to work with you. What's it going to take? And then wait for the answer. They'll tell you. I'm writing this down. <laughs> wow. That's <laughs> good. Okay. Oh, man. Wow. I told you guys she was going to be phenomenal because I, I already knew. Um, now, with regards to, you know, the different sales modes out there, why um, why all the different sales models such as, you know, inside sales, outside sales, key accounts, et cetera, um, and how do I know which is right for my company, like, a lot of people out there, you know, have different types of company. Mine is particularly, you know, focused on health and well-being. Um, should I have an inside salesperson? Should I have an outside salesperson? You know, should I have somebody managing key accounts? You know, I, these are all questions that I think everybody um, wants to ask and wants information regarding without doing the trial and error stuff and figuring out, oh, it doesn't work or that works or, you know, um, can you can you help us out with that? Yes, and it's easier than you may think. It depends on the sector and what you're selling. But the easiest way to figure out is to ask your clients. They will tell you. 
And normally what I do is I ask them how they want to be treated. What kind of interaction do they need? It determines if they need low-level inside help. Inside salespeople are for the ones that just have, are going to have questions, there's high maintenance to the account, they need to have follow-up on their orders, whatever it is. Inside sales is low-level, don't pay them a lot, sales support for maintenance, for constant touches to clients. Outside sales means they need a relationship. They want someone there sitting next to them, working with them so they can ask their questions at a high level. And, and not everybody needs outside sales, but that's really the, those are really the people that want to be talked to and, and negotiated with in person, want them in a meeting. And the key accounts are for, uh, key account sales reps are for the, the big really juicy, high-revenue clients. Key account sales manager are for the ones that are high-level and you don't want to lose them. Everything, they, you do everything for them. And that, that, that means you have to have somebody who's really good. So your clients will tell you if they're spending a lot of money, then you give them a key accounts manager so that you've, they've got someone dedicated to them. If it's just an ongoing maintenance relationship or low-level product without not a large dollar volume to it, then inside low-level sales is ideal. But if they're somewhere in between, then outside sales can really help. But you ask the client, the prospect, what they want. What kind of interaction do they need? And they might say, I want someone to touch base with me every three months. I want to know the products and services. I want to know how to maximize working with you. I want to grow my company. Or, you know what, just once a year. I don't, I don't go through this product very often. Once a year, just touch base with me then. They'll tell you. And then you know what kind of sales rep to assign to them or what kind of sales model, sales reps to have for yourself, inside, outside, key accounts, or a mixture. Oh, I like that. I Wow, that broke it down. I mean, simple, 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 but can take you and catapult you um, in your business in ways that you, you – just want, wouldn't expect as well as freeing you up or, you know, you, you can delegate, okay, this is more of a low-level type of thing. They don't want as much contact. They don't need to be intimately handled. I can give this to my inside salesperson or, you know, I'm doing all the stuff that requires a lot of low-level stuff. It's taking a lot of my time. It's taking me away from basically, I'm going to say, outside sales and managing my key accounts. I think I need to bring in an inside salesperson to help them to to help me with this stuff that I can hand off to them, and then I can you know focus on these other areas that's going to help me and the company generate more revenue. I like that. And, and wow. you really did say that right. What? How can I free up my time to be working with the ones that are going to make me money all the time? I work with sales teams that are inundated with crap. They have to do all of these things that an inside low-level person should be doing. Why are you paying top dollar for these outside people to be doing all these other components when they should just be selling? And and that's a big deal. Pay accordingly. If it's just low-level paperwork or follow-up or send them this or do the proposal, have someone else do it. Let your salespeople who are really good earn their money by bringing in new business. And then you're spending money properly. Um, the, the, the outside sales reps make more money than the inside sales reps. You get to maximize profit margins when you delegate the sales tasking appropriately. Wow. 
I mean, you sh- I've got this huge light bulb on my head because it's just like, wow, I, I didn't know that was um, the gist or the methodology behind it. And, you know, having inside sales, outside sales, and key accounts. And once upon a time, I worked as an inside salesperson. And even though I did that job, I never knew that that was, you know, that was what I was doing and how you described it. However, when you described it, it's like that's exactly what I did as an inside salesperson. And um, it worked great for the clients and it worked great for my outside sales manager. And um, and we were a great team and, and I allowed her to flourish um, and to meet her sales goals that she needed to. Granted, I was real young, but it was still a good learning tool. I just wish I would have had the knowledge today back then, and then I would have been able to really, really help her catapult, you know, into the stratospheres of success. But we did very well. It was just, yeah, it's just, it's great to have that information. And I know so many people out there listening is probably thinking, oh, my God, yeah, or, you know, I didn't know that was what, or that's a better way for me to utilize the people that I have on my sales team. So it's, it's great. Now, what are the eight steps to close? It sounds like a lot more than a simple one, two, three, thank you, and send me the check. <laughs> and why are there eight steps? <laughs> well, there are eight steps because then you break it down into manageable chunks. So they're not torturing someone over the phone all at once going right to the close. And and I break it down because I do an enormous amount of cold calling, an enormous amount of client management for a, a lot of different clients. I can't remember where I am in the sales cycle with each of them. I don't have a clue. It really is true. I pick up the phone and I go, have I ever spoken with this person before? Well, of course I have. I just don't remember them. So I make a note. When I, in my 90-50-10 funnel, it will, the people in the 90% category will have a dash three dash six, dash five, whatever it is. I'll know exactly where I am in those eight steps. So every time I pick up the phone, I know just what I'm doing the next time. There's no pressure. It's a piece of cake. You naturally go through the sales process. And I'll tell you what they are from a high level. And, again, if this is something you want, I'll email it to you and to any of your listeners. Don't hesitate to ask me. I don't mind at all. But the eight basic steps to a successful close are the first one is the opening. While you're stating your name, when you tell them your name, you tell them the purpose of why you're calling. That's your opening. My name is Beatrice. I want to do business with you. There's your opening. Piece of cake. Very, very simple. But you don't always have an opening. Sometimes you've left a message on a machine. So you have to know. I'm only at level one. Keeping track is important. Number two is an opening statement of your benefits. And that's more than just, hi, my name is Beatrice and I work with you. I sell health and wellness coaching, and I have been known to help reduce stress of executive leaders on the team with an hour every week, helping them prioritize what's important to them so they have good work-life balance. Those are the benefits. Whatever the benefits are, you would narrow it down to one, two, three tops, and that's your statement of benefits. This is what I want to do, and these are the benefits to you. So right away, they can say, yeah, I want that. <laughs> you don't have to go through the whole pitch of everything you do. You just Break it down to one, two, three tops, benefits. And that's part of the initial way of 
uh, the eighth step to a close. So that's number two. The third one is qualifying and fact-finding. After they say, yeah, I want to work with you, well, now you have to qualify them. So have your qualifying questions ready in advance. For some of my clients, my qualifying questions are 50 long half an hour to ask all the qualifying questions. You can imagine that I need permission. Hey, I've got a lot of questions to ask you if you're going to spend um, $100,000 on this product. I want to make sure I get it right. They're going to give you that half an hour. It's, it's $100,000. If it's a $1,000 product, maybe you should only have five or six qualifying questions. Keep it commensurate with the price. How much do you need to know? So qualifying and fact-finding is number three. By asking them questions, you can quickly determine if the prospect is a qualified buyer and will buy your product or service or next phone call, next prospect. Number three is the most important. Qualify them or don't waste your time going through four through eight. So many people go all the way to the proposal and like, why didn't I close them? Well, did you qualify them? You shouldn't have done the proposal and wasted your time. I have a 75% close ratio because I won't go to a proposal unless they're qualified and I know I can. I have a good shot at closing them. So qualifying and fact-finding, number three, is really important. Number four is get an agreement on the needs. When you when you when they, you qualify them, you now know what products and services they need the most. So you say it. I hear that what you want is an hour of coaching every other week so it fits in your budget, right? You get an agreement. Mm-hmm. Or I hear what you want is one of these products, but only if I can get it in red, whatever the, the, the scenario is. You get an agreement, and you ask them. They say, yep, or no, 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 what I mean is I want it every week, but let's do two hours so I can get it concentrated and get it all done in 90 days so I'm really ahead of whatever it is. Um, you get an agreement on the needs. That's number four. Number five is presentation. Don't move on to a formal presentation unless you've got an agreement on their needs because then you know what you're presenting. So many times I work with salespeople who go in and they do this full presentation of 10 things, but the client really only wants two of them, and they wasted all that time instead of giving them a deep dive on the two. So presentation is number five. Here's where effective salespeople play their trump card. Based on understanding their needs, you save your most powerful points for now in the presentation. After the presentation, there's another agreement. Get the prospect's agreement that the products and the features and the benefits meet their needs. He'll have objections, concerns, address them. It's a consultative relationship. But Mm -hmm. that agreement happens again at number six. Two more to go. Number seven is commitment. Now Now you've gone through this whole process. Now you actually start the close. Is this what you would like to buy? Can I have, create a contract for you? Are you ready to give me money? All the time I'll say in meeting, I want to walk out of here with a signed contract and a check. Are you <laughs> on the same page with me? And, and it's so refreshing. I'm human. This is what I want. What do you want? And guess what? They will tell you. They will laugh at me and say, you're not getting a check. I still need this, this, and this. Okay, let's go. Now I know. <laughs> so <laughs> commitment it. is number seven, and that's really great. But number eight, we covered already. Follow through. Follow-up is everything. Just because they said yes doesn't mean you're done. You have to get follow-through. Clarify the next steps. What are the action items you're going to take? I'm going to create a contract. I'm going to send it to you. I'm going to put in there the details that you want. And I always make sure there's an action for them to do as well. You're going to present it and get a signature for me by what date? 
or you're going to review it and come back to me with any changes you need by what date, whatever the agreement is. But follow through is everything, and that's number eight. Follow through. Do what you said you're going to do. And if you've closed them and sold them and taken their check and delivered the product, then follow through becomes, hey, how do you like it? Is that working for you? After the sale is a big deal because then you've got a really solid client who's going to refer you to other people, want more of your products and services, but most importantly, be happy with you. They're going to brag about having worked with you. So those are the eight steps. They're really very, very simple, but every one of them happens for a reason and helps you get to that close. I love it because, I mean, you you broke it down in the eight simple steps, but each step that you're at gives you the, you know, like the Monopoly man, you know, get past go and get $200 or stop and don't worry about the $200. I mean, it's like each step tells you whether you should proceed forward or not. That's and, um, and, 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 that within this whole cycle or the whole cycle that you have or your system here is phenomenal because you might even get down to step five, but when you're doing the presentation, but, you know, it comes out of this step that really for either of you, you should not proceed forward, Mm -hmm. you know, and so you can stop and not go step eight and realize or step seven and realize that it's just not going to work or this really is a client that I shouldn't have took in because I, you know, for whatever reason, but you don't spend a lot of time wasting a lot of time on something that is not going to be a win-win situation for you or the client. So I love this. I mean, you know who I am, the opening statements of your benefits, the qualifying and fact finding. And I have heard this. I mean, there's times where I've like had a chat with someone what I call my exploration of um, wellness session, which is like a discovery session. And it's like, you know, you start asking them questions and you realize right away that, you know, based on the answers, it doesn't make sense. They're not the right fit. You know what I mean? Or it doesn't make sense for me to put an effort in to try to sell them something that inevitably they're not going to be happy with, even though, you know, it's, it's just, it's just a beautiful component to have in there. And I don't think a lot of people realize that, you know, why waste a lot of time with people, you know, that you want to, that you think and you want to work with if you haven't qualified them and you realize you didn't qualify them and, and it becomes a complete nightmare. And I'm sure there's stories out there that you can share as well as people listening. But I love those steps. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> um, <now, laughs> I'm like, woo! It's going to be one of those days. Whoever I come in contact with, they better watch out because I am, like, going to be beaming with energy because all of this is just really – um, very revitalizing to me because I'm, I always tell people I am not a salesperson. And again, you know, it's the whole fear of rejection, but all of this information that you're sharing with us today, one, takes the stress out of it. Two, it takes it off of me. Three, it helps me to develop a better system for sales so that I could be more productive and get more sales and more revenue. Four, it doesn't, it's not complicated and it doesn't take a whole lot of time to generate results more than probably what I'm getting. Yes. And five, it just, it's just energizing to me because now I have something to work with that I know that if I do it correctly and do what you say, it's going to work for me. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Gosh, I mean, if I'm feeling like this, I know the listeners out there feeling like this too. You're phenomenal. I knew I knew you would be. Okay, so now, what is the best way a company can increase revenues right now in the midst of, you know, we are having a lot of 
mm, unsettlement. I want to say it's like the, you know, when you make coffee, and I'm not really a coffee drinker, but you know when you make coffee in old-fashioned days, but you remember when you had that coffee pot that you had to put the grinds in? It was, I, you know what I'm saying. Beatrice, because I know we're the same age, but you know, and then you would, they, you, they, your parents would make the coffee, or who would make the coffee, and then they would still get coffee grounds in the bottom of the coffee cup. Even, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Um, and with our economy today, we've got the oil market that's up and down. We've got China that's devaluing themselves, and it's affecting the stock market, and it's causing chaos. Every day is a chaotic day. It's not, you know, it's not steadily moving up. It's not steadily moving down. It's just all over the place. And so the economy right now itself, even though things are better than they were in 2008, it's still an ongoing challenge every day. What is the best way a company can increase revenues right now with regards to all this chaos and and challenges that we're facing in our economic um, conditions of, of today? So I'm glad you asked this question. This one's really important, and I, I like to have people do this on an ongoing basis, and it, I call it picking their low-hanging fruit. That's how you can increase revenues right now. Pick your low-hanging fruit. And right now can be every month, every quarter, every year, however often you need to do it. The idea is to have a consistent flow of new clients and new projects and new revenues year-round. But increasing revenues right now is done by picking your low-hanging fruit. And there's two kinds of low-hanging fruit that I start with. The one is calling all of your existing clients and asking them, how can I help you? Hey, I know you bought X from me. Do you know I also offer Y and Z? This kind of upselling is incredibly valuable. People already know you, like you, trust you, and now you are going to sell them more. I'm I'm stunned always that this generates immediate revenue. Some people bring me on board and they say, I I don't know how I'm going to pay you. We need to make money right now, and this is what I'll do. Generate immediate income by picking their low-hanging fruit and calling their existing clients and upselling them, getting more money from the clients they already have. That's one. The other one is calling all of their past clients that aren't working with them anymore and saying, I want to work with you again. Why aren't we working together? What can I do for you right now? I'm stunned at the amount of money that is generated from people you aren't working with anymore who want to be working with you. That's that follow-up component. Stay in touch with them. Or they'll say, I don't want to work with you anymore. I'm not working with you anymore, and this is why. And then you have that room for improvement. You know how to shift that so you don't have to hear that again. So calling your past clients who aren't working with you anymore, while it's an immediate source of new revenues, it's also a place for you to learn how to grow and, and, and change the methodologies that aren't serving you. But one of the things that falls inside of that calling your past clients category for me is clients who said no. They didn't, they didn't sign with you. Anybody who ever said no to you, you should be staying in touch with. I am, I'm so surprised at the amount of people that I will call six months down the road and say, I know you didn't work with me six months ago, but I wanted to touch base and make sure that you're okay with the person you did choose. <laughs> telling you 20 30 40 percent of them will say i'm miserable i'm so glad you called me back (laughs) i should have bought this i should have spent the money on that i shouldn't have done this i I should have gone down this path it's so nice to have someone say to me wow i can't believe you followed up with me when i said no to you you've got a really solid relationship that way so these two primary categories of picking your low-hanging fruit 
clients that you have now and upselling them versus clients that you used to have or didn't close and working with them and figuring out how you can partner with them is an immediate source of new revenues. So that's how I I usually work with people to pick their low-hanging fruit. Did I lose you? Oh, my goodness. You sh- I don't know what happened. The kind of technology kind of blinked out on us. But, no Beatrice, you should see how many – I have four pages of notes, you guys. Of She just said something to me that I – she's saying it to all of us. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so guilty of this because I don't do this. I don't call those who said no to me. Um. And I should, you know, it's, it, it's, you know, it's just like they said, no, out of sight, out of mind, but you never know what may happen. You know, you never know. It's and really then the true. other thing is, you know, I, I, you know, the upsell, I mean, I do upsell people, but not in the context like that, you know, it's like if I have a current client and things are getting ready to end and I see them make huge transformation with regards to the health and well-being, um, and, and it's easy for me to upsell them, but those that I've worked with in the past, maybe two, three years ago, I should be following up with them to see if they've fallen off the wagon or if I can help them or, you know, and that's something, another thing that I just don't do. And so just within the context of what you shared, just with regard to how to increase my revenues right now, I'm going to incorporate that beginning today because, you know, it's a slam dunk. They've already, they already know me. They've already heard from me. And, you know, it, what, what harm is it going to be for me to open up dialogue again with them? Agreed. You just never know where that may lead. So, Very oh, my powerful. gosh. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay, I have time for one more question. Doggone it. Um, okay, so let me see. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm just trying to think. I'm just, you know, um, okay. Here's one because I think this is, is good. And then we have, have some millennials that listen to this as well, and they're really keen on doing this. There are so many options for increasing sales, you know, e-zines or newsletters. They do online ads, whether they use Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever. And then, okay, there's a whole social media content aspect. There's the direct mail, which I'm not sure if that really still works a lot. There's lead services. But how do I know which one to use to get the best results? Good question. So this is a twofold answer. The first thing I do is I find out what the competitive what the competition is doing. Who am I closely matched with? Close enough. A lot of people say I have no competition. <laughs> come come close. Pick top three of your top competitors and find out what they're doing. Find out how they're getting their clients. And that can be make believe you're a client and call them up and ask them to pitch you so you know what they're how they're selling you. But pay attention to on their website and on their social media pages, how they're soliciting their their clients. So what is the competition doing? And then either step up to meet the competition or surpass them and offer something else so that you stand out from the competition. So that's one side of it. The other side is, and I've said this before, and I'll I'll say it again if we had another three hours (laughs) over and over, (laughs) ask your clients what they want. 
do you want to read my monthly newsletter? So many people say, no, are you kidding me? No. And I love newsletters, and I know that they're productive, but I only read one consistently per month when it's sent to me. One. I get about 50, but I read one of them because I love the content. So ask Mm -hmm. your clients what they want. Will you read the information if I send you in a newsletter? Did you respond to an online ad? You're paying attention to the offers I'm making on social media. Or some of the businesses that I partner with, construction companies and contractors, direct mail is still a big deal. Those postcards in the mail still work. And I'm I'm always so stunned when I get a postcard and go, hmm, maybe maybe I'll pay attention to them. We needed to have our our deck repaired in the front yard. And we called someone we have gotten the postcard for for the last 10 years consistently because they're always working in a neighborhood and they have a great reputation. Direct mail, it works for them. So ask them what how they want to be interacted with and what they're going to respond to. So there are a lot of options for out there for increasing sales. But what do your clients want? What are your competitors doing? And what's going to make you stand out? Those are the three things you'll need answers to before moving forward. Wow. Perfect. Oh, my gosh. Perfect, perfect, perfect. And a great question to end the show. I am so sorry we could go on for hours. But you guys out there, lo and behold, I'm going to talk to Beatrice offline and see if I can get her to be one of my speakers at my wellness, wisdom, and wealth uh, retreats that I have. And if so, I will let all of you know. And, you know, there may be opportunity for you guys to come and hear more about her. And, I'm sorry, hear more from her with regards to this. But Right now, what I want to do is have her share her information with all of you as to how you can get in contact with her and how, you know, getting in contact with her can quite potentially up your game and sales and increase your revenue. But first of all, let's see how you can get in contact with Beatrice. So, Beatrice, tell all those listeners out there that have heard all this phenomenal information from you how they can connect and get in contact with you so you can help them. My preferred mode of communication, now that you've asked, yay, (laughs) is email. Just pop me an email. It's Beatrice at StoneBanks.net. Very, very simple. And you can get my email address from my website if you forget it. It's Beatrice at StoneBanks.net. Send me an email. I'm really responsive, and I'm happy to partner with you. I'm happy to send you any of the notes behind some of what I covered today. There's no fee. There's no problem. I don't mind at all. I want to empower those people around me to really take charge of their sales and do it well. Oh, my gosh. You guys, look at She's so – look at this, okay? She's so giving. She's, you know – she, you know, she's a salesperson, she's a sales expert, she's a sales guru, but she's willing to give you stuff that can potentially help you up your game in sales, and she's really willing to do it from the kindness of her heart just because she's here on Blissful Living, um, and I so appreciate that. And Beatrice, I want to say I so appreciate you. You, you girl, you have given me so much juice, and I definitely want to contact and connect with you offline here because um, so, I, I need your help. But um, with regards to just, you know, taking the time to be on, on today's show, um, get sharing your wonderful words of wisdom. Like I said, I have four pages of notes you to see. Um, and, you know, and your genuine 
enthusiasm and your kindness that's and the warmth that's coming out of your voice. I can tell you love what you're doing. You love helping people. You love engaging uh, people in the whole process of being successful with sales. I've seen you live. You know, I'm hearing you, and, and nothing's changed. You're really, really a beautiful person with a beautiful spirit, and I just want to thank you for being a guest on Blissful Living today. My pleasure, truly. Thank you so much for having me. And to all of you out there listening, our time has come, but I, I want to say please connect with Beatrice. Again, it's Beatrice at StoneBank.net. Send her an email telling her you heard on Blissful Living, you're interested in her information, and I guarantee that she will connect with you because that's what she does, and she's a bomb person to do the connection with her with regards to increasing your sales. But for all of you out there listening, Again, I want to thank you for tuning into the show. I want to thank our sponsors, the Health, Healing, and Wellness Company, as well as All Day Cable Incorporated. Please check them out at their website and see if there's something in there that can help you just, you know, be the best that you can be. And um, as always, until next week, I'm wishing you peace to your mind, wellness to your body, and tranquility to your spirit. I'm the Queen of Feeling Fabulous, Rochelle Marie Lawson. Until next week, have a phenomenally fantastic week, and goodbye for now. You can find out more about Rochelle on her website, Rochelle Lawson, R-O-C-H-E-L-E, Lawson, L-A-W-S-O-N, or at healthhealingwellness.com. Or just click on her websites from the webtalkradio.net page right in front of you. And, of course, you'll want to come right back here next week for another episode of Blissful Living. Thanks for joining us.